Welcome back, Wrestling Inc. It is me, the managing editor, Nick Hausman, and we have another awesome Winkly episode for you here every Thursday. That's where we drop it on the Wrestling Inc. audio channel, The Winkly. And uh, this week, we're going to do a little different. The last couple weeks, you know, this is this is the third episode of The Winkly. We've, we've managed to have all kinds of names. David Arquette, uh, Austin Aries, Johnny Impact, both from last week. And this week, I wanted to do something that was more personal. I've gotten to know the Wrestling Inc. team more, some familiar faces, some new faces, and the Winkly is really supposed to reflect the work of the whole Wrestling Inc. team. So this week, rather than calling in some of my other wrestling journalist buddies and some of these other guests, we will have a guest here today, uh, you are going to get more voices from Wrestling Inc. Uh, later on, we're going to be taking the views from the Turnbuckle column that comes out every Friday on Wrestling Inc. We're going to be taking the author of that, Jesse Collins, and me and Jesse are going to dive into that a little bit deeper. He wrote about the return of Shawn Michaels, and uh, it's a great discussion. It, it, we, we debate a lot about the value of legends now in the current WWE climate. How much value do the legends bring to the product right now? Very interesting conversation with Jesse. Uh, of course, our, our Wink Indian correspondent, Aki, is back. Uh, he's been on the show before. He is man- He manages to get those WWE superstar interviews. Last week it was Dolph Ziggler. This week we are going to be hearing from Aki. He's going to be chatting with the uh, 205 Live superstar Mustafa Ali, uh, a guy from right here in my backyard. But but opening the show and closing the show with me today is going to be one of the newer voices at Wrestling Inc., but I'm familiar with him because I used to do podcasts out and stuff with him and work with him elsewhere. He's going to start and close the show with me today. It's my co-host here. It's Joe Jan, Jonathan Jansen. Joe Jan, welcome back. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to be talking uh, pro wrestling with you again, Nick. It's been a while, and uh, I thought we had uh, a lot of good shows in the past and a lot of stuff to talk about on this one. So I think uh, this one should be pretty good, too. Yeah, so Joe Jan, now, you and I, it's been a while. It's been like, oh, at least a year since we've chatted in podcasts yeah. and stuff. Uh, I always like talking with you about wrestling. I think I think you've got a, a fun mind for pro wrestling. But for those of, those folks out there that don't really know you, right? Take a moment here. Let everybody know what you're doing uh, out there in the world right now in wrestling and in otherwise. I know. It's actually been a, quite a long ride since I last talked to you. I was in Fayetteville, North Carolina when I talked with you. And now I'm working at Sirius XM. And I'm working at the Fantasy Sports Station. Uh, work with a lot of cool people. Some people may know Matt Camp. He's a big wrestling voice. Uh, he hosts on our channel. And, uh, yeah, so I'm working at Sirius XM living in Maryland, working in D.C., and working in D.C. has its perks because you get nice events like SmackDown 1000. So, yeah, right now I'm doing that, and uh, now working at Wrestling Inc., it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, doing working there, and also working at XM has been a lot of fun, too. Now, I gave you the nickname Joe Jan initially, <laughs> right? I didn't think that was ever going to stick, and here we are like a few years later with that nickname, and it stuck very well. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm from Texas, and we like to shorten things and make funny nicknames, and Joe Jan, I always, I was particularly proud of that. Uh, has it stuck? Do you still get, am I the only one that calls you Joe Jan, or do you have like family members, friends that call you Joe Jan now? No, just you. <laughs> I should, though. I like mm. it so much. I, I've grown to love it. I first hated it. Uh, no offense, Nick. I do okay. like it. It's but okay. now I've grown to love it. <laughs> and so, yeah, I might start doing that. It's such a great – your name's Jonathan Jansen. That's so many letters. <laughs> Word garble. Joe Jan. It just pops. It's like Cher, you know? Yeah, and I mean, John Jansen, that's a I, – I feel like that's a common name. Like, John is common, and mm-hmm. Jansen, I mean, there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Jan makes me stand out, which I kind of like. Exactly. Well, uh, you're going to be joining me here. We're going to talk news here in just a moment, but we're going to come back at the end, Joe Jan, because what I like to do is I like to have a closing discussion, like a more broad topic that we could talk about. And the broad topic you and I are going to close the show today is about the Braun Strowman versus Drew McIntyre feud that was teased Starting this past Monday Night on Raw, a lot of directions you could go with this, a lot of factors to take in. We're going to dice it up here at the end of the show about Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. But right now, we're going to get to the news. And I know you were at SmackDown Live 1000, and we're going we're gonna to get to that here very quickly. We've got to set the stage. This was a crazy week for pro wrestling, and you know why. Because WWE is uh, still going to Saudi Arabia to do this show called Crown Jewel in the midst of a lot of political controversy, right? Um, yeah. You know, let me recap the news real fast. We'll get your talk on it. Uh, get your take on it. Now, 
this past week, Crown Jewel was briefly removed from WWE.com. It sounds like it was inadvertent. We don't really know why that happened, but it is back now. There have been no mentions of Saudi Arabia on TV, uh, but there also have been uh, outspoken advocates for WWE. Randy Orton, JBL, as of late, have come out and made positive statements about uh, WWE as a force of peace. Um, there has uh, also been uh, Sports Illustrated spoke out. Uh, Justin Brasso's uh, Justin Brasso from Sports Illustrated wrote a, an article about how they should cancel the show, and he cited anonymous sources on the WWE roster that felt uncomfortable. So I wrote them and asked if they had heard about this from their roster, that the roster was unhappy about this, and how they would handle those complaints. Uh, we did get a statement back. Uh, basically saying that the lines of communication are always open and and not much more than that. Um, but Sports Illustrated, not the only brand to, to come out um, and say something about WWE and Crown Jewel. We also had the Wall Street Journal. Of course, John Oliver uh, this week tonight uh, with John Oliver. There was a couple mentions of it this past Friday, I think is when John Oliver comes out. And on top of that, not just news outlets, not just funny pundits, but United States Senators, Lindsey Graham, uh, Blumenthal have come out and said, don't do this show. Well, there is one politician who has come out and said, do this show. That's Knox County Mayor Kane, who will, of course, be in the main event of Crown Jewel. Woo! Uh, uh, <laughs> is that it? That's all the that's all the tid- all right. that's because, you know, you know me. I'm very detail oriented. I like to include as many tidbits from the week. That's the full scope of where we're at with Crown Jewel. Where, where's your head at right now, man? I mean, it's it's a lot to take in. I don't know. I mean, because I'm only 24 years old, I have no idea if WWE has been through anything like this before. So to try and have like a case study and look back on what they've done in the past or what they should do, there is nothing of that. And especially everything's different now in 2018. And I don't know what they do with this. I mean, it doesn't help. I mean, if they were just going to these shows and it, we didn't have kind of that, well, here's a new Saudi Arabia kind of feel in the last show where it just kind of seemed like they were fed all of these things from Saudi Arabia. I mean, maybe if they if that wasn't the case last time, then this time isn't a big deal. But we kind of know it's different now where than the, last time. Yeah, it is. And but because I think we know where kind of that money's coming from and who is wanting WWE there and why they're wanting WWE there. And because we know all these things this time and then something well, big like this happens, it's very tough yes. uh, to, to really gauge what, what they should do. And I mean, I think fans <laughs> just have a lot of knowledge of where that's coming from. And now I, these people are kind of in news I, for not a. Yeah, good thing. I think I think it's I, I'm going to take your words and I'm just going to put a different emphasis on them. Now they okay. now they know where the money's coming from. You know, that seems to be yeah. the vibe of it. Right. Like, oh, we knew. Oh, it's coming from Saudi Arabia. Oh, they're a progressive country. That was the line that Mohammed bin Salman has been selling to the West for at least a year now. And it's not to just WWE. It's to a lot of other companies in, in uh, Silicon Valley and in Washington. It's been an ongoing campaign. Now, what happened with uh, this journalist who was killed at Turkish embassy? And, you know, there's still a lot of I mean, there's some ongoing investigations going, but it seems plain, uh, plainly enough that something nefarious happened here. Um, That's what puts a damper on this, right? Because you're no longer talking about like, oh, well, you know, they used to be really bad. But you know what? They're going to let women drive and we're going to be progressive. And you want to buy that agenda until you hear a story like this. And then you, you you take a pause and, uh, you know, you talk about have they dealt with stuff like this in the past? You know, what do you call on to make this decision? I don't think there's been things quite like this in the past, but um, there are other businesses that have, have in the wake of this pulled out from Saudi Arabia. They're, they're not going to DeVos, uh, the, the, you know, the desert convention or whatever. There's, there's other people around them right now that are that are removing themselves. Yeah, and I think W and I, I understand the businesses, you know, and you could look at it that way. It's just weird because WWE is like nothing else. I think the best comparison would be what if somebody was filming a movie in Saudi Arabia and this came out, would they stop filming or, you know, 
would they continue to do it? And I think that's kind of maybe the biggest comparison you could make or try and draw a big parallel (laughs) from. But WWE is just so different. How do you go for, uh, I guess, uh, compare the businesses drawing out of Saudi Arabia and (sighs) WWE, which is strictly entertainment. But the problem is they're in business, WWE, with but, uh, but part, part of this deal, though, includes them, it seems like, you know, promoting a more progressive Saudi Arabia. You know, they included— Oh, definitely. That was a big part of, I, I think, the last show. So, but you, I, you can't go and run those promos again. You can't be having Michael Cole being, like, the great and benevolent Saudi Arabia. You know, it's yeah. like— how do, and how that's do, kind of – don't you think that's kind of the reason why some of the people uh, – some of the people on the production team, I think, have said they don't want to go in superstars because right. you're kind of walking on eggshells there. It's a country that's now saying that, yeah. you know, we're, we're going to retaliate or whatever if people uh, back out against us, whatever it is. But it's very tense. It's a very tense place to be in at the moment. So I kind of understand why some superstars are like, I don't know if I want yeah. to because I actually uh, transcribed uh, uh, Chris Jericho uh, – few weeks ago talking about being in brazil and he stomped on the flag and he was about to be arrested by the brazilian army right. like what is that comparison what is that going to be like in saudi arabia if they just say like the the little thing that's wrong or do something little that's viewed as very wrong what happens to them you know that's that's the kind of country it, or that's how tense it feels like it is over there in saudi arabia yeah and you know it uh, you know just even you know it's tough for me because you you know, time will tell what what happened behind the scenes here. Oh, yeah. I have to think that there has to been higher level conversations where it's like, okay, Saudi Arabia is obviously acting erratically. Will pulling this major wrestling show that they're really excited about further aggravate them, or should you just do it and get get the f out of Dodge, <laughs> reevaluate this afterwards? You know, right. I, I, it's there's so many higher level conversations I can't. Uh, I can't even begin to fathom exactly where yeah, it is. I, I think you know? one thing that's also that I, I don't think I've heard much about is what does how does the USA Network feel about this? How does uh, Fox, who they're going to be on in 2019, how do they feel about this? You know, I know it's on the network, but WWE is promoting this show on USA Network. And, you know, obviously they're going to be on Fox, so that's a future thing. But how do the networks feel about it? Do they have a say in it? So I, there's just a lot surrounding this that, yeah, I think you're right. It's just kind of hard to wrap your head around and just try and speculate on now when really there's just way too many things that we don't know about. The unknown, the unknown unknowns. Uh, all right. I feel like we've we've done our due diligence here, Crown Jewel. That's the big buzzy thing. Had to get a little Crown Jewel into the top of the show. But you were at SmackDown Live 1000 last night, or SmackDown 1000, Joe Jan. Uh, first of all, what was the vibe in the building? Did it feel different than a, than a normal show or bigger show that you've been to? Definitely. It felt, it felt more like a special show. It felt more like a... You know, kind of, a, it didn't feel like the regular Raw or SmackDown that you'd be going to. Because I remember even after the Rumble, I went to SmackDown, and that it kind of just felt like a regular SmackDown, even though it was a pretty big one after the Rumble. But yeah, this this felt like a unique, uh, different show, and certainly had its ups and downs. But there were just so many great nostalgic things, and looking back on some of the great things of SmackDown, which. When I started watching wrestling, that was the show I was drawn to more because my two favorite wrestlers were Triple H and Edge, and they were on SmackDown at the time when mm-hmm. I started watching. So for me, it was really special, and I think the crowd responded pretty well to most of the stuff. Yeah, well, let's talk about – I don't. we don't need to go detail-oriented. I already did a SmackDown review earlier today. You can go find it on the Wrestling Inc. podcast uh, Wednesday edition. Um, I, I just kind of want to hit the big, big stuff here and see how it played to the live crowd. Uh, Vince McMahon and the McMahons dancing with our truth and Carmella to to start the show. Did would, did that go over huge in in person? Because I didn't I didn't really feel it as far as an Ober goes. Yeah, and that's the weird thing because I I went back and watched it today, and obviously there is it it looks a little different or feels a little different when you're watching it on TV. Like I I agree with you when I watched it uh, back, and it felt a little bit different. I was like that didn't really go too well, but at the time. Vince McMahon coming out was awesome. Shane coming out was great. 
and I thought it played well. And, you know, everybody, I, I heard somebody say, you know, Vince McMahon, you know, we, we don't like his booking decisions, but then when he comes out, you know, we love him. And it's just that character, the Vince McMahon character we see on screen. I feel like we, we put in a different light than, you know, Vince McMahon, the, the boss man. And um, so Vince, when he came out, everybody, I think, responded well to it. Yeah. Seeing Vince try to break dance was fantastic. So I, I it played well live. But, yeah, watching it back, it was a little like, eh, awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I'm glad to hear you guys had a good time. Truth TV, man, that thing, that thing's very popular. I, I heard a lot of Truth TV chants, right? Yeah, there were plenty of Truth TV chants. And, I mean, to me, everybody seems like that Carmella is doing well in it. Our truth like they, everybody seemed like they were responding well to both of them. And, yeah, the segment live, I think, it was a better idea live than it was for TV. Um, Batista Triple H, take me there. How was it when Batista started going into it and, and he uh... – Made those comments towards Triple H about how he's never beat him. Yeah, I, when they first came out, of course, Batista, you know, home hometown uh, guy there. And it was a little weird uh, when he was like, he started talking about, you know, I've seen the violence in D.C. And I'm like, everybody's like, well, you were just talking great about us. And now uh, you're saying we're kind of violent. And it was really that, that for, I don't know if it played on TV. I watched it back and it was like silent when he said that. And everybody, it did feel like the, wow, that was uh, kind of a jab. But <laughs> <laughs> it did feel like that. But um, <laughs> I didn't even Batista... think of it that way. That's so funny. All right, go ahead. Yeah, it was it was really awkward live. So but funny. when he talked about Triple H, I mean, it, I was talking to my buddies and um and you know I had other few friends in the arena, and it's not that Batista. I'm not going to say he was you know drunk or anything, but it seemed like he was so relaxed that that's a Batista we just have not seen on WWE television before. He just looked really relaxed really comfortable and that played well with the crowd it played really well and then when he made the comments to triple h to me it was the highlight of the show seeing batiste out there he's a bigger star than i think people know and he's a big star obviously in dc because he that's his hometown and it just played really well to me that was probably the best part of the show there's rumors he's making the leap to dc i didn't even put those two together yeah dc dc universe Universe. that's a good it's a good play for me. Washington, D.C. universe. All these things coming together. Yeah, man, I thought, you know, I was, LeBar was debating with me this about this earlier. You know, is there interest in a Batista Triple H match? And I said nearly the same thing that you said, which is this just feels like a different Batista. It doesn't feel like the guy who's trying to be Vince's boy or Triple H's boy. This guy's completely off the leash. He's doing his own thing. Yeah, definitely. It felt like a... Hollywood movie star I was in a really big movie called Guardians of the Galaxy Batista like that was a I'm comfortable in my own skin I'm comfortable coming out here on WWE television and knowing I'm a I'm a big star and everything he just it felt different than any other time I've seen Batista and that's a good thing because he was just phenomenal another highlight for me on the show Becky Edge uh and Charlotte Again, we're in this. How's the crowd reacting to this? Becky seems like, I mean, the most, she just seems like a giant badass that people, you know, they love to be taken aback by her. They enjoy the ride she puts them on. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. I was thinking about this today and I, I, I understand that Becky's a heel now. And like, it, it's hard for us to think like, why did the, the crowd like her so much? You know, and she's a heel now doing bad things. But the whole build up to it was that she's losing and we want to see her win. And then all of a sudden she won, but turned heel at the same time. But that wasn't the heel thing wasn't the whole story being told. The whole story was we want to see her win. And when it happened, that's what we were waiting for. And so, yeah, they are fully behind Becky Lynch. Like the crowd was 100 percent behind Becky Lynch. Flair was getting all the booze. Crowd wasn't in favor with her. So, yeah, this played out well. And I think. There's been a lot of comparisons of Edge and Becky, and I think it was just the perfect segment uh, for them to be on. Edge is such a great character to where he's kind of been in that role of I've uh, ruined relationship with friends, did whatever it took to win the title. And there were guys like McFoley who would come out and talk to him and be like, what are you doing? And, and try and talk sense to him. And so now for Edge to do that years later on SmackDown, on the show that I think he's responsible for some of the best segments ever and SmackDown, and to kind of do the same thing, you know, to have that role reversal, it was really cool to see, and the crowd, when Edge came out, I, of course, loved it, because that was my favorite wrestler when I started watching wrestling, it's my favorite theme song, favorite wrestler, and so I loved it, the crowd, 
a big reaction when he came out. But the segment, I thought, played so well. Uh, agreed. Very cool to hear you talk about it. I love the uh, observations about Mick Foley. I mean, Mick Foley kind of almost had the identical segment <laughs> that we saw. Yeah. I didn't even realize that until you pointed it out. Yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, build-up to a matches ever is Mick Foley saying, like, you, you don't know what you're doing, you're losing your mind, and then you see Edge on top of a, lad- or a ladder in Hell in a Cell and, you know, saying, I think I understand. Like, it's so one of my favorite wrestling moments ever, and it was cool to see that kind of role reversal with Edge and Becky. Um, well, we also had some wrestling matches on this show. Uh, <laughs> the first three highlights were just microphone segments for the most part. Uh, we had Mysterio Nakamura, Nakamura, and then we had the qualifying matches, and we had uh, The Bar defeating The New Day for the titles with The Big Show uh, deciding to become friends with The Bar. Uh, I, can, I don't want to spend too much time on SmackDown here, even though you were there. Uh, the action kind of felt rushed, by and large, for me, wrestling-wise. Is that how it felt being on the inside? Absolutely, because in the back of our minds, too, we were kind of looking at the clock and knew, well, we still have The Undertaker. But I, I was glad I saw The Undertaker. It was the first time I've ever seen him live, first time I've seen the entrance. I could have probably gone without The Undertaker if that meant the match could go a few minutes more because that was starting to go really well and to be the best match of the night. The Bar New Day were great, but Mysterio Nakamura were putting on a great match and just a few more minutes. And if that closed out the show, that would have been fantastic. But it was, again, it was good for me to see the Undertaker. But yeah, it was kind of the same thing in the arena. It felt rushed. Were you was were you aghast when the Big Show turned on the New Day? No, that, and it's funny again when I watch it on TV. I'm like, wow, we've seen this a million times. But when you're there live, the crowd was all into it. It was. It was a lot of fun. It was just a match that was really dressed up, and and obviously, you know, there was a lot going on in the match. And live, it was getting great reactions. But another, it's it's another thing watching it on TV, and it just felt like you know I've seen this a few times before. Uh, move over here. Let's talk Evolution, big women's event coming up here next weekend, right? Not this weekend, next weekend. Yeah, yeah, the twenty eighth, I think it is. Yeah, twenty eighth. Um, PW Insider reporting Molly Holly, Molly Holly and Ivory both are going to appear former champions. A lot of women uh, were announced this week. Tori Wilson coming back for a big women's battle royal match that's going to be happening at Evolution. And a lot of the female superstars took to Twitter and kind of posted like gifts to say as if I don't I don't want to be this battle royal. Why don't I get a wrestling match? It does feel like this card isn't flushed out enough for me to to warrant announcing a battle royal yet. I, I think there's, I mean, you got Tori Wilson there. You know, Carmella's going to be in this thing. I mean, I feel like there's just more matches, quality matches you could be getting out of the women in this battle royal. Yeah, and isn't there a stipulation that the winner gets to to, to have a championship match or whatever it is? <clears throat> yeah, uh, it just, it would have felt like it would have been better if it was uh, a lot of the women on NXT or even some in the Performance Center have their moment to shine too on, on a big stage. That's, this is the kind of pay-per-view I think to do with that. To, to have some of the, the NXT women that have maybe had a few matches or even some that are in the mid-card of NXT have that and then give them the big opportunity to have a championship match maybe later in the show, uh, like All In, having uh, the the over-budget Battle Royal and then all of a sudden uh, later in the night have that match, have a championship match. I think that would have been great. But yeah, there's just... It, it, it was, I think, a very easy way just to put a lot of women... Uh, even like women like Tori Wilson and everything just in one match. And yeah, I it just feel like they could have done a lot more with that. I like the idea of the winner of the battle Royal faces the winner of uh, Ronda versus Nikki at the end of the, at the end of the night, right? One woman went through a battle Royal. One woman through a, went through a championship match. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Something like that would be great. I, I think that'd help out. And again, it's a way to possibly, uh, you know, put some shine on a superstar that you think, you know, has, has some good talent and you want to, you want to showcase in some event, this would be the perfect event to do it. But yeah, to have people like Tori Wilson in it and Carmella, I just feel like they could have done a lot more with, with people like that. Uh, uh, outside the women's division, Kevin Owens, uh, bummer news this week. Obviously, uh, it had been reported that Kevin Owens was dealing with, with knee issues. He was written off WWE TV uh, when Lashley turned heel. In my backyard, I was at the Chicago show when he turned heel. And uh, now it sounds like Kevin Owens, he's posted on online, he underwent a double knee surgery. Uh, No specific word on a timeline for recovery yet. The Wrestling Observer, uh, though, did note uh, it could be four months if it was a minor surgery, up to eight months if it was major. Uh, 
Either way, it does look like KO is going to be off of TV for a while. I, I hate to try to find the silver lining in anybody being taken off television, but it did kind of seem that with Sammy off TV and they, they hadn't really found. A, I don't. Th- I mean, they'd paired him with Elias. He wasn't in a good group. I think. I think being away will make the heart grow fonder in this situation, and I think that it's going to be in the long run maybe better for Kevin Owens to to take a little time off and come back refreshed. Yeah, and that's always the hope. Like with Dean Ambrose, uh, the injury, of course, you don't want it to happen, but you also like this guy just has just wrestled nonstop for years. Let him have a break. Let him recharge. Let him like just take a step back for a second. And maybe Kevin Owens, I needed that. I I don't know. I thought the Elias stuff. Him and Elias were fantastic. I don't know if they were going to continue with that, but they were so good with it. And I'm, I think they were kind of finding something for Kevin Owens to do. But yeah, I, I don't know if Kevin Owens needs a refresher. Um, I, I think he's great, but uh, maybe it, he does come back and, and something, you know, different comes up or something clicks again the, the second time around. Or, you know, if it's four months, maybe he, uh, him and Sami Zayn re-debut again. Uh, if it's shorter, uh, not the, of course, eight months, but mm-hmm. if it's four months, yeah, him and Sami Zayn come back at the same time and make a big debut, you know, that'd be great. But yeah, it's, it's terrible to kind of see him, uh, yeah. especially with two knee surgeries. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to say, yay, you're injured, yeah. right? But you know, try to find Even the though there lining. was a little bit of that for Dean Ambrose. It wasn't the yay. Like, I'm glad you're off. It was the yay. Like, dude, take a step back. Like, thank, thank the Lord. You don't have to keep doing this over and over again like Mm -hmm. enjoy yourself a little bit uh and you know bobby lashley you know that seems to be a a set feud a built-in feud for him if he wants to return and lashley's you know still healthy and on the roster there kevin owens could always reignite that it was a really meaningful impactful segment there when lashley turned heel uh the wrestling observer on that note reporting that lashley the reason he turned heel is because owens came to them and said i gotta go away for surgery heel for surgery now and they said well we got to find another big heel for the brand the decision was that Lashley would be better served as a heel. They put Leo Rush with him. And uh, also, uh, via the same report, it sounds like Vince McMahon was feeding Leo Rush a lot of lines. Um, not as noticeable at the Chicago show, but, man, watching this past week, um, Raw, which you weren't at, you were at SmackDown, but on Raw, a um, lot of, like, Lex Luger vibes for me in that segment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could definitely tell it was, there were a lot of things you're like, that doesn't sound like Re- Leo Rush would say it. It sounds like, of course, Vince McMahon would say something like that. So yeah, I understand why they have to feed him lines though. He has been taking on Leo Rush himself has just been taking on a lot since he's been in WWE and uh, on the main roster, you know, from NXT and even the stuff on two five live SmackDown and raw. It's just been a lot. And so, yeah, I, I'm not surprised that Vince is feeding him lines or, you know, helping him along. But uh, Leo Rush has just been fantastic. And Bobby Lashley needed something, I think, like a heel turn. He needed just something different. Whatever they were doing in the first place wasn't working. But him and Leo Rush together, no matter if he's face or heel, I think as long as those two are together, there is always going to be something for them to do because Leo Rush out there is, is just fantastic. I love how he is just the roadrunner. He's always, like, just rubbery enough to get out of your fingers before you can grab him. Yeah, he's just, I mean, so much energy. It's, it's when he comes out there or, or has a segment, he just has so much energy that I don't think we've, uh, we've seen from wrestlers in a while. You know, not saying that they, they don't have high energy or anything. He's just that energetic and that wild and. It's so much fun to see on, on TV. Yeah, I th- him and Lashley, a lot of room to grow there. If it is eight months from now and those two are still together and Kevin Owens comes back and, you know, looks to get his comeuppance, uh, that's an exciting proposition to me. All right, we're going to get out of the WWE universe here for a moment. We've got a couple non-WWE stories. Of course, there's a lot of news that gets left on the cutting room floor here at the Winkley. And if you want even more news, go to WrestlingInc.com every single day. Uh, and if you did, you would know about the craziness that went down at the end of Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory this past Sunday night. Uh, For those that don't know, uh, Johnny Impact captured the title from Austin Aries in what had become a very controversial feud. Austin Aries uh, leveling some uh, insensitive insults, uh, particularly at Johnny's wife, Taya. Um, They'd been on TMZ. You can go find all of it there. What happened at the end is Johnny pinned Aries. Aries... Uh, as if he had never had a 25-minute match, stood straight up, walked through the ropes, flipped off uh, the uh, head booker for Impact Wrestling, Don Callis, uttered a profanity at him, 
and then left uh, up the entrance ramp, flipping off the crowd. There has been no. I have been trying to get a hold of Impact for a comment. Is this was this something where he was leaving? Was he unhappy? You know, I, I don't know that I would get them to formally tell me. Oh well, this is all. Not on the level, right? I don't think they'd say that. But trying to get some insight into what was real and fake here. Uh, the best insight we've gotten has come from Petey Williams' podcast, uh, where he said that Austin Aries' contract is up. Petey was backstage that night on headsets. That's what he says. Take it for what you will. Um, and PWInsider.com reported just today, Austin Aries has been written, uh, had been written into Impact TV scripts for the days uh, Monday and Tuesday after Bound for Glory. But after he left... And he, and he didn't go to the tapings. He had to be written out of the scripts and the, the storylines after Bound for Glory had to be changed because of what happened. So I go to you, Joe Jan. How, how on the level is this? How, what's, 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 what's going on here? It is. It's tough because just how, how crazy I think Impact Wrestling has just been recently with Don Callis being there. It's just so many things happening. Like I've heard more about Impact Wrestling in the past few months than I have had other than, of course, the the Matt Hardy stuff. Other than that, you don't hear much about Impact Wrestling, and people are liking it, loving it, and there's just a lot of things like this where you're like, well, I, I don't know what's really happening here. And it, I mean, I don't know. To me, I'm going to assume that this is kind of all part of the plan until I know for sure otherwise. That's just the That's just my feeling of it. But I'm not surprised they're not commenting on it a lot. I'm not surprised they're really not talking much about it because that's kind of what they've been. They just put things out there on TV and have things like Aries is doing and just kind of let people talk about it. Let the rumor mill just cycle around and let people keep talking about your show and what could be happening instead of giving a a straight answer. You nailed but, it. You nailed it. You're right, though. They're just like, all right, throw this out there. Oh, the news mill's going around that. All right, wait till it dies down. All right, throw yeah, this out even, there. Even yeah. if this isn't part of the plan, why do they have to tell people that? Because people are talking about it and have so many questions that let people keep questioning. Let them tune in uh, uh, Thursday on Impact Wrestling and find out what you know may have happened. Or with their interpretation of what has happened. you know, Yeah, with their interpretation. And that's the good thing, too. They can do whatever they want with this now. They kind of have this thing that's just brought under their plate, whether it's planned or not. And they have kind of something to work with. And so they can do whatever they want with it. And creatively, that's got to be awesome to work with something that's this talked about. And the, the roster is obviously very passionate about it because I have a lot of friends there. And I've been asking questions. And, you know... They're doing a good job of keeping it tight-lipped. I have my, I have, I have a feeling some of this stuff may not be on the level, but not all of it. And I keep, I keep pointing back to Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, where yeah, like some of it is, but maybe they're overinflating it a bit. Yeah, definitely. That, that I could see something like that. Mm-hmm. So we, time will tell. By the way, I'm recording this on Wednesday in about 45 minutes. I get to watch Johnny Impact on Survivor, my favorite thing to do each week. Um, I actually watched the first two episodes. He is awesome on Survivor. I, ta- I talked to him on the Winkly last week about it, buddy. It was great. Made my yeah, day. He's, uh, he's great. All right, last last news item here before we're going to throw to our big interview with Mustafa Ali. Uh, Bullet Club. We talk about the rumor mill. <laughs> the rumor mill is Bullet Club. Cody teases. <laughs> <laughs> Here's, here, I'll recap this real quick. There's been, I mean, there's so many tweets and stuff flying around right now. Cody, the most definitive thing. Ace Comic-Con was in my backyard here in Chicago. Cody was there. Uh, he teased with Adam Page. There's not going to be an all-in, too, because we're headed to WWE. Uh, I guess that was enough for Tama Tonga to fire off a tweet that said, well, we're going to war. You guys are leaving in three months. And uh, I guess it's just that definitive. Uh, it's amazing to me. New Japan, New Japan Ring of Honor, Bullet Club kind of straddles both, and Impact Wrestling. Work shoots are the thing in the moment, buddy. That's what everybody's doing. Oh, it definitely is. And this was, I mean, this is such a great time to do it, too, because they just had All In, and they're probably, I don't know if they're at their peak, but they're, you know, very over, and this is maybe the most over they ever get. And this is kind of how this story would go, right? Like, if there were people in the indies or people working in New Japan and they're starting to get this big, like, the next progression you'd think is, well... Are they going to WWE or that would at least be, you know, something that'd be talked about. So for them to even plant something like that is just, I think, a perfect progression into the into the uh, Bullet Club and and WWE, you know, uh, storyline or the storyline for them is the next thing would be, you know, well, we consider WWE. We've been talking about it and 
you know, I, I think it's perfect progression for their story. And, you know, I don't know if there's any truth to it. I don't think there is. But I think they played this very well. How, how bad do you want right after top of the year going into going into mania season? These guys one week at a time. Do do Cody first. Right. And he says next week I'll be back. Right. And then the Bucks come down the ramp. They start sitting ringside. You do the NWO thing all over again. You don't even need to change. You can change it up until about a year in. You know, the first year was good. And after about a year, you might want to change it. But, you know, I, I would love to see something like that all over again. Totally work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, them going to WWE would be huge, I think, for WWE. And, you know, for them, I don't I don't know how big it would be or that's really what they want to do. But, obviously, going to WWE is a, is a big thing, too. But, yeah, it's... Again, it, it has this thinking that it could be true because this is kind of the progression of, of you think where they'd be at right now that it makes sense that they would be considering WWE or at least, you know, would have an offer. All right. Well, guys, that brings us to uh, the portion of the show where I'm going to throw it to a couple other voices. Joe Jan is going to join me back at the end of the show for a little discussion as well as our outro plugs. Uh, but right now we've got two things for you. Uh, you're going to hear the views from the turnbuckle discussion I have with Jesse Collins all about HBK Shawn Michaels' return. That's going to be up right after this. It is an exclusive interview right here on the Winkley. Our own Indian correspondent, Aki, sits down and chats with 205 Live superstar Mustafa Ali. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Firstly, I wanted to you know, kind of, uh, go back in time when WWE gathered all the crews away under one roof. Uh, during the exclusive classic. Um, so, can you talk about when you got the phone call and what the initial reaction was? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a very interesting phone call. Uh, we had reached out to ask, uh, initially, just about my availability. Um, um, we were doing a tournament together with uh, some cruiserweight, and they wanted to see if I was uh, available. Uh, and I was there to you know, whenever you guys need me, I'll be there. Um, uh, a formal invitation then got sent to the Barton Street and the Cougar Classic. And it was an absolute relation, man. Like, this was, uh, this was uh, a second chance for me. Um, and what I mean by that is um, the tournament took place in 2016. But in 2013, I actually had a tryout with the Liberty. And, right. uh, you know, getting the tryout, you know, they, they told me, hey, um, you know, we, we really like what you do in the ring and, and I know what you're doing, but you, just, you, like, you are just not something we're looking for at the moment. You know, you're, you know, you're a smaller guy. Uh, we don't really have a spot for you, so instead of hiring you and just, you know, you know, having you, you know, do nothing, it's, you know, we're not, we're just not interested in signing at this time. And that was very, like, you know, crushing for me uh, to hear that, you know, um, me as a person, uh, you know, my size, my presentation, more than anything that can't forget about at all, you know, despite what I could do in the ring. So when I heard about a cruiserweight tournament, I go, oh, it's going to be all guys my size, you know, all guys with my size. Like, this is a great opportunity for me to kind of, you know, um, get their attention because obviously, they're interested now in, in, in smaller guys and in that style and in that division. So it was huge. You know, instead of just jumping for joy, you know, that, that last of the few seconds, and immediately my mindset went to, all right, it's, it's time to come in the work for this. And as you said, you know, the uh, kind of opened doors for a lot of superstars. And you've been one of one of the guys that has, that has been there since the beginning, since the tournament. Um, now the division got its own show on 205 Live. Uh, you've been there since day one. So can you also share your thoughts on how the news was released by the Cruiserweights when 205 Live was announced? Um, I think it was a lot of it was we didn't really know what to expect, you know. Um, I know we knew we were going to have our own show, but we didn't know, um, uh, you know, as far as style, as far as presentation. But it had never been done for us, you know, it's never been done SmackDown. Uh, and an NXT had been filmed in full sale. So we didn't know where, you know, before the show, after the show, during the show, um, our, you know, then we're told we're part of Raw, so we'll be appearing on Raw. So there was a lot of confusion initially. And if you look at the way 205 Live came about, there was a lot of trust put into that initial roster because if you look at it, the majority of us had not been in the developmental system at NXT, 
and the majority of us have not done TV prior to that. So the WWE to trust us to literally hire us and throw us on live TV was very kind of like, whoa, <laughs> is there a possibility? No, so it's kind of, uh, you know, a lot of us were just kind of, you know, going with it. You know, to be honest with you, I don't think anyone was anticipating anything because no one knew what was going to happen back then. Um, I'm sure that we had a vision and, you know, the writers and the producers and the office all knew what they were doing. As far as being performers, we were just kind of like, we're just, you know, we're going to show up and be, you know, and, and do what we can do. But yeah, there was no, um, you know, real sense of like, uh, what to expect, you know, which is kind of, kind of a, a great way to learn. You know, you do hands-on learning. I've already learned a lot. Uh, but yeah, the initial stages of 205 were very kind of, uh, you know, we're all kind of looking at the board what's going on. Like, you know, are we supposed to be here? <laughs> uh, but uh, it's been a very, very cool experience. Like I said, we all uh, learned a lot. And I think we really hit a stride. But if you watch the latest episodes of 205 Live, I, I think it's probably one of the best wrestling products in the world. Um, we, we put on classic, um, you know, huge main events each and every week that, that, that you know, I say I can't miss. And, uh, you know, the, the main events of 205 Live are always amongst the discussion as far as the top matches of the week um, in the world, you know, so I say that's a, that's a lot about what 205 Live is. It is time for the very first installment of the Views from the Turnbuckle Audio Edition. Every Friday, go over to WrestlingInc.com for the latest installment of Views from the Turnbuckle written by our own Jesse Collings. I've actually got Jesse here right now. He's going to be a regular here every week on the Winkly. Jesse, first of all, thank you very much for joining the program. No, it's great. I'm glad to be here, Nick. Now, you're, but before we get to this Views from the Turnbuckle, you're a new voice in the room for people of the Winkly. Uh, you, you're a fan of not just WWE. You like a lot of different kinds of wrestling, right? Yeah, I mean, to me, being a wrestling fan is not just being a WWE fan, and I like to watch WWE, uh, of course, but also there's so much wrestling out there, and now, you know, the last few years with so many different companies getting their streaming services and YouTube, it's just a great time to be a wrestling fan, and there's so much out there, and there's so much that I can't watch just because there is so much so much out there, but it's 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 a great, it's really a great time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, I completely agree, and that's why... Uh, we were talking. I know you're doing this editorial. I wanted to get you as a voice on the show because, you know, this week we're going to be talking some WWE stuff. But every week on the show, you never know what to expect. Jesse's a super knowledgeable guy, jack of all trades, pro wrestling style. So you never know what's going to come up. But this week, this last Friday's editorial was called Views from the Turnbuckle. The Heartbreak Kid Returns, but our legends still special attractions. So what we're going to do every week here is I'm going to dive deep into... You know, these editorials that Jesse writes and get a little bit more info on what was going through his head when he wrote this. Now, generally, the the tone, the feel of this, Jesse, I feel like is that you don't think that Shawn Michaels return has a, a big, big feel to it. You don't think this feels like a big deal, right? Yeah, I started thinking about it when, you know, like Shawn Michaels is as big of a legend in WWE as there really is. Maybe you could argue that a guy like The Rock or Steve Austin or maybe Hulk Hogan coming back would be a bigger deal. But Sean, because he had been away for so long, and, and you know, to people of, of my generation and your generation, like, Sean is the best wrestler who ever lived to a lot of those people. And I feel like his return should be like this monumental moment. And maybe that's just me getting my expectations a little too high. But to me, this doesn't really seem that different than you know, what normally happens in WWE. And it got me thinking, like, has the culture, has fan culture changed with how we view these legends' returns? Because WWE has had so many of them over the last several years. I, I think there's absolutely something to that. And you touch upon that in the in this article saying that you think that fans may be burning out on these legends' appearances, these legends' matches, because you're drawing a correlation between the low ratings on TV for a segment like DX Brother Destruction a couple weeks ago on Raw, which was like the lowest rated segment in, in Raw history or something like that. You think that that's a sign that there's less interest now in the legends. Is that correct? Well, I think with ratings, you know, the viewership's down across the board. It's down for everything pretty much in WWE. So I don't know if it, you can say like, oh, well, they brought the legends out and that drew the lowest rating. Right. But I will say that it didn't 
it doesn't really show that the rating is improving by bringing these legends back. Like the DX reunion should be like, oh, we're going to draw a big hour rating because that's a, you know, it's the DX reunion. It's one of the most popular groups in WWE and they've been very successful when they've brought them back uh, over the past 15 years. But it just, you know, I think just the way we view returns has changed. I think, you know, every year in WWE, pretty much, there's a big return. It's Goldberg coming back. It's The Undertaker coming back for his WrestleMania match. Kurt Angle is coming back. All these guys kind of come back. And, you know, I wouldn't say they're... A lot of the returns are successful. A lot of the guys are still over and they, they hype up big matches. But I also feel like we've gotten so many of them that it doesn't really feel that special anymore. And you never really feel like anyone's really gone for good because you know eventually they're going to come back. And that's what made Sean so interesting was that he retired, and he retired when he was still physically capable of having good matches. And the fans never saw him wrestle again. And that was like one of the most, you know, the the biggest finales in wrestling history was Sean going out, you know, at WrestleMania. And fans, you know, we heard rumors about him coming back and rumors about him maybe wrestling Daniel Bryan or him coming back and wrestling a big match against Triple H. And that never really materialized. And now he's back. But I just think since we've gotten so many of these returns, it doesn't really feel like it's it really, you know, a big standout deal. Like, is Shawn Michaels' return going to be the the biggest moment in WWE in 2018. I don't really feel like that. And you think of a legend of Sean's caliber and all the hype that went into his return, that it should feel like that. I think it's a great point. And I think it's a great point that we get him so consistently. It's almost become routine. Maybe we're just spoiled wrestling fans, right? You can add Sting to that list of guys that came out of retirement and, you know, did, I guess, to a different different degrees, felt like a big deal. Um, but the, the the point you make about in the piece about how when they bring these legends back, their gut tends to be to pair them up against another legend, at least first, right? Mm-hmm. The return is usually them versus some other legends. Sting, Triple H. <laughs> In this case, Undertaker, Triple H. You know, uh, Goldberg, uh, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, the, the case can be made. He's, you know, a, a part-time performer. Not, the only person you note that doesn't seem to get that treatment is Roman Reigns. They will occasionally slot Roman Reigns in. I'm with you, Jesse. That if Shawn Michaels is coming back, I am not necessarily enthralled with the DX Brothers of Destruction thing or even even a rumored Shawn Michaels Undertaker singles match. I want to see Shawn versus younger talent. Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa is my dream Shawn Michaels match, and I, I don't think I, I may never get that. Um, but but I, I think there's a very valid point there, and uh, that brings me to the mixed reaction that the Triple H Undertaker match at super smackdown got which is something that you you took note of you were hearing kind of different things from both sides of the aisle when it comes to this particular bout right yeah well i think it comes down to what people you know everyone watches wrestling differently and that's part of what makes wrestling so cool is that nothing is really universal and some people that i, I personally watched the match i didn't like it i talked about it with um raj and chris right on, on the wrestling Inc. podcast after the show was over and we all kind of had the same views that this was kind of a lame match where the guys looked old and, and didn't really and it went too long and all that kind of stuff but other people i've talked to said it was great i talked to one person that said it was the best match they've seen all year what? and i think you know the argument for that is that the crowd was really into it the guys are really over in the because you know because these are real legendary figures like Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, they really only have to do their trademark spots to get over and get a big reaction. And I think some people like that in wrestling, wrestling, and some people uh, are, are are okay with seeing that. You know, someone like myself, I, I mean, I like the I like you know everyone likes seeing Shawn Michaels hit sweet chin music. That's never not going to be a, a positive. But I also think, you know, we have to, you know, expectations have been raised for match quality and. We've already seen The Undertaker and Triple H wrestle a bunch of times, and that kind of standard, uh, you know, isn't going to be met in this current uh, era. You know, here's one thing about, like, Shawn Michaels is going to come back and he's going to wrestle The Undertaker, okay? I feel very confident in saying that we have already seen the best of Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. We've already seen their best work, 100% agree with you, yes. Yep. The match, whatever match they're going to have, they're going to wrestle at Survivor Series or they're going to wrestle at WrestleMania is not going to be as good as their best matches. It could be good. I'm not going to rule that out, but I also know that we've already seen the best of these guys. And what we're really seeing is like a a really old rock band come out and play their greatest hits. And maybe they, you know, the guitar can still sound good and the vocalist's voice is still good, but they're not going to be as good as they were in their prime. As opposed to seeing 
Shawn Michaels versus AJ Styles, which by definition is going to be the best match between those guys we've ever seen before because we haven't seen it before. And I think you mentioned the term dream match. Yeah. You know, to me, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels for the a thousandth time is not a dream match. We've seen it a bunch of times. A dream match is something like Michaels versus AJ Styles or Michaels versus Tommaso Ciampa or someone like that. And I think ultimately that might be a better use of of their talents is by having him kind of integrate with the younger generation because that's stuff that we, we never thought we'd get a chance to see as opposed to doing something that we've already seen before. Yeah, and, and I think there's elements of what you're saying. I, I think we're going to see something unique here with Sean. And, and of course, if Sean Michaels, you're always going to get something unique. I, I think there is a necessary evil, no pun intended, in doing the Taker match, right? Because Taker ended the career of Shawn Michaels. You know, he retired him, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to get back into to wrestling and, and a couple more matches, I personally, I do see a, a need in having to get him to get a win on Undertaker to get back into the mix. You know, if Undertaker wants to, to bring it up and say, if you want your career back, you got to go through me, get the match done move on to that next generation. You know, you talk about Goldberg. Uh, you talk about other returning stars that come back and, and they do the, the big match one-on-one legend style. The only one that kind of has broke the mold a little bit was Sting. Of course, Sting came back, and after he did the Triple H match, also went on to feud with Seth Rollins, which was a little – it wasn't, I don't think, memorable in, in many ways. And it ended horribly with, with Sting getting injured, you know? Yeah. Which brings me to the next point here, and you know, uh, I know we're not long for this segment. Whatever, this segment can be as long as it wants. I don't care. Um, it brings me to the point about you know, you talk about HBK's ability to perform, right? Is this guy? Of course, it's Shawn Michaels' legend. Is he going to be able to perform? I think at a level higher than guys like Goldberg and Sting, Shawn Michaels will be able to come back, have that match, that Legends match, and also parlay that into a run, which will culminate, I think, in a couple of the younger dream matches we're talking about. I think we're going to get both, you know? Well, it's totally up to Sean. I mean, I talked about this at the after the Super Showdown show. You know, was Shawn Michaels retired because he wanted a lot of money for one match and the, obviously the show in Saudi Arabia is very lucrative for him? Or did Sean not want to come back because he didn't think the time was right and he, you know, he needed that. Obviously, he needed a big financial offer to come back, but also just didn't really want to wrestle. And after he does this match, is it going to be a one-time deal, or is he going to wrestle The Undertaker at Survivor Series, and is that going to be it? Or is he going to go on a little run here for six or seven months, eventually you know, ending at WrestleMania with a big match against whoever? So I think it, it, you know, it's up to him, and for all we know, you know, Sean hasn't wrestled in a while. Sean could get hurt, and you know, he could get hurt in this match against uh, The Undertaker and Kane. I mean, that's what happened to Sting, right? He got hurt, and that was kind of the end for him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's also a possibility. So I, I'm really, I'm not expecting, I'm not going to go out there and expect that Sean's going to wrestle a bunch of matches after this match uh, at Crown Jewel, because I just don't know if that's realistic for me to expect that from him. I think, you know, Shawn Michaels is, he's a, he's an animal of a different breed. I think that he's got a half dozen matches at least in his tank that he wants to do. I mean, you can't be Shawn Michaels healing up, feeling better, spending that much time in NXT, working with talent that is on another level right now and not be salivating a little bit, knowing in the back of your head, I could do this. I think he I think he wants to. I think he you know that's a, that's a difference between other guys they've brought in in similar situations. You know, I think that Shawn has the passion and drive and really wants to go out there. Anyway, uh, another point I wanted to bring up about this was the comments you made about DX. The fact that he got brought back as DX. DX usually comes back. It's very popular. It it, it feels a little odd with Sean and Hunter being like in their 50s, near 50s, uh, being uh, making these kinds of juvenile jokes and being an anti-authority. I thought the better point, screw the juvenile stuff. They could do that, whatever. They're going to make it work on their own. The anti-authority stuff, the, Triple H literally being in a group called The Authority, tough turnaround there. does take a little bite out of DX, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really odd because, I mean, this is kind of not to do with Sean. It's more like a Hunter thing where he's just like, he's a heel one week, he's a baby face, you know, the next week he's in The Authority, but he's also the cool guy that runs NXT, and now he's in DX, and last night he was in Evolution, and it's like, this guy is all over the map when it comes to his character development, and it's just odd. 
uh, to see him in DX. But you know what? I don't think I'll, to be honest, I think it's stupid, but I don't think a lot of wrestling fans will care that like they'll, he'll come out and he'll do his catchphrases and people won't be like, wait a minute. It's kind of weird that this guy's anti-authority, but his character is the authority. I just think that's for me, that's weird, but I don't think the general fan is really going to, uh, it's not going to really bother them that much. Yeah. You know, and I think at the end, you know, to summarize this piece here, I think you, you, the best, the best point you could make was the divide we have in the climate right now for this types of matches. You know, you, I'm with, I'm probably more with you, Jesse, in the, the camp of I was not the biggest fan of Triple H Taker at Super Showdown. I think maybe if it had been t- 10, 15 minutes shorter, I'd have had mm-hmm. a different opinion. Uh, but I, I was not totally on the bandwagon there. But at the same time, you know, we're watching this stuff all the time because it's our job. It's easy to forget sometimes there are people that literally will just watch uh, Raw on fast forward, catching the best 20 minutes, and that's their entire wrestling consumption for the week. This is what they're looking for, and it is an issue of having to try to appease both masters, which is which is why they, they make a lot of these calls. Well, yeah, I don't want to be too critical of WWE's strategy because it's, it's, it's probably successful. I mean, you have when you have an old name coming back, the idea is to give that guy the biggest match possible, which is usually going to be against a part-time guy because the part-time guys feel more special because they're not on Raw every week and they're not being subjected to bad WWE booking every week. So in their opinion, the biggest match possible for a guy like Shawn Michaels is against The Undertaker and it is against Triple H. And those matches have a proven track record of draw of drawing a lot of interest and of drawing a lot of fans to big events like WrestleMania. So from a business perspective, it makes all the sense in the world for them to want to kind of promote these super matches as opposed to maybe for someone like me and you who are who are more you know connoisseurs of the product and have uh you know maybe a different taste than uh, a casual fan who's only coming back gonna tune in because they remember the undertaker and they remember Shawn michaels and they don't care about uh johnny gargano and they don't care about daniel bryan uh i think that you know that's their strategy and from a business perspective i don't think they're wrong it's a little disappointing for for me but i don't think they're wrong so it makes total sense why they're doing it Absolutely, and so uh, that brings us to this Friday. So, of course, the Winkley is revi- revi- bleh, revealed, released every Thursday here on the Wrestling Inc. audio channel, uh, which means that tomorrow your latest piece is going to drop, Jesse. Uh, we didn't, I didn't want to hammer it too hard in the Shawn Michaels return stuff. We, we touched on it, but Shawn is coming back for a giant bag of money, and that giant bag of money comes from Saudi Arabia. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to talk too much about this because it has kind of been talked to death this week it is interesting that when he accepted this giant bag of money the journalist stuff that has gone down had not happened yet there are all kinds of mitigating factors going into this decision and you it sounds like are going to help us weed through the fog this friday in views from the turnbuckle correct yeah well one of the things i wanted to do for this friday was kind of take a look at what the the real issue is here with WWE and Saudi Arabia, because a lot of people talk about it, but I think um, the real root of the issue uh, for WWE is not that they're going to Saudi Arabia and they're putting on a show in Saudi Arabia and they have a some sort of business relationship with Saudi Arabia. That's not really the problem. The problem is WWE going to Saudi Arabia and the very obvious phrasing and wording in the video packages that show that WWE is being used as a tool to paint the current Saudi Arabian government in a positive light and be used you know, as a propaganda. I know propaganda is a strong word, but that's really what it is. If you watch some of the videos from the Greatest Royal Rumble show, it's propaganda. So I think the real problem is that not, not that WWE is just going to Saudi Arabia, but WWE is – going to Saudi Arabia and saying all being paid to say all sorts of positive things about a government that you know to the outside world looks for you know completely barbaric and completely lawless and about 200 years behind the the, the rest of the, the rest of the developed world yeah all right guys so check it out tomorrow views from the turnbuckle Jesse where can people follow you on Twitter if they'd like to send you any statements here about what you said <laughs> Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jesse Collings. It's J-E-S-S-E-C-O-L-L-I-N-G-S. It was great chatting with Jesse. Thank you very much to Aki for sitting down with Ali. And it is now time for me to loosen my tie, throw another log on the fire here, pour a glass of scotch, and talk to my good buddy Joe Jan again. Joe Jan, welcome back to the end of the show. It's good to be back. Uh, I I feel underdressed now. I'm in like gym shorts and a and a hoodie. I didn't know we, it was uh we need to wear a tie for the show. Here, let me put the smoking jacket on you. Here, come here. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dick. Yeah, there you Snuggly. go. All right. 
I'm having so much fun doing my Foley work over here. <laughs> it's a radio joke. Um, all right. Well, I like to close the show these days, Joe Jam, by just having a, a discussion about one thing. We've talked about so much here today. And uh, I always base the closing discussion largely off of a number. You know, I'm the managing editor. I get access to the analytics at Wrestling Inc. And I know what you people are clicking on. I know what you're reading. And one of the things that you all were just fat, or you buzzed a lot about, that you clicked on a lot, was the fact that Braun Strowman is going to start feuding, or it looks to it looks to be the case that Braun Strowman could be feuding with Drew McIntyre here after Dolph Ziggler got pinned uh, in the sh- by the Shield in the main event this past week on Raw. There was some tension there between Braun and Drew. It's an interesting matchup here, Joe Jan. What do you think about these two big men possibly going at it? I like it because when is the last time we we've had kind of I think a refreshing or kind of new uh, big man matchup? Usually it's just a lot of Big Show, Kane, Undertaker, Big Show, Kane, Undertaker. There's a lot of the same big guys that you kind of. It's rare to have these matches and have as kind of a new matchup. And for Braun and Drew, one Braun is doing very well. Still has been my favorite uh, person, other maybe than Elias recently. He's been one of the best, I think, WWE characters uh, for me in the in the past year. And Drew McIntyre, now paired up with Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre has been just fantastic since he's been back in WWE. Even NXT, now in the main roster, I've loved everything that he's done. And now we got these two guys that are, again, like you said, they're they're getting clicks. Uh, people are reading up about it. People want to see it. It's over and. I uh, I really think it's it's just a matchup that I cannot wait to see what WWE does with because it's just when is the last time we've seen an, a new refreshing big man kind of matchup? I I agree, but what now? Both of these guys right now are bad guys, right? They're both heels, and yeah. one of them has got to make a turn here. Now Braun turned heel after a very very successful run as a babyface. It is almost as if it was foolish to turn him heel, considering how that man was printing money. All right, that's that 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 set aside. Why would you would you try to rehook your wagon to the Braun money train, or do you, I mean, at that point you're just doing big show stuff with him back and forth. I would think that Drew would have to be the one to break away from from Dolph, which has been teased, and kind of stick up to the big bully here in Braun Strowman, right? Yeah, I. I would actually like if Dolph would stay with with uh, Drew McIntyre, but yes, they have been kind of teasing him going away, and that's kind of seems like where it's going to go. But yeah, naturally, if this were to be, if they, no matter if we look at the past, you know, who has turned heel babyface, naturally Braun Strowman, I think, is the one that just the crowd loves a lot more. And even though he's turned heel, like you said, like they should not have done. <laughs> right. Thank you, Joe Jan. Just yes. at least admit your mistake. Just turn it back it just seems natural for me if braun Strowman were to be the one that was kind of you know the the one that we're supposed to cheer for i agree and you know it's it's cool it, it is kind of interesting to think about in my head how do you play it out yeah i like that at the very least wwe is taking more chances with these dynamics they're being less clear-cut with it uh, i don't think i think braun was just so popular i i wouldn't have done what they did but whatever i'm not them they can make their own calls um drew if, if drew and dolph double down Heelishly go after Braun, and Braun goes, I should have never paired up with you guys. I made a bad decision. I can see the fans going with that. It doesn't seem convoluted, right? No, and honestly, Braun Strowman, I mean, he wouldn't even have to say anything. He could just start clotheslining him or destroying him and destroying the set. The only thing they have to do with Strowman for us to cheer, just do something ridiculous. Have him flip over an ambulance car, basically. Just if they do something that's over the top that we've loved, he doesn't even have to say anything. That stuff speaks for itself. It gets over more than anything Strowman could say. So if they want to do this and they want us to cheer Braun Strowman, have him just destroy everything. All right, we will leave it there. Thanks. Thanks so much, Joe Jan. I enjoyed this today. It's good. It's good to get back in the groove with you. You know. Yeah, it's it's like uh, it's like we're we're good at this, or we're, we've done this a few times with each other before. I like you because you were you work well. You work for Sirius, so you have access to nice equipment. So we always get, if nothing else, good audio, right? Quality. Yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm reliable. I'm like AJ Styles and Edge. You know, I might not be the top guy, but I'm reliable. Uh, he's the guy. You're not a not the top yeah. guy. I'm just a guy. Not the guy. A guy. There you go. Um, just a guy. 
Uh, well, I'll let you plug your social here in just a second. I do have to remind everybody, of course, this is brought to you by Wrestling Inc. You got to go over. You got to subscribe to the Wrestling Inc. audio channel over on iTunes. That's the only way to get the Winkly every Thursday. We got a lot of, uh, a lot of other great shows, the other Wink podcast, Chair Shot Reality, Pop and Wrestling. Go check it all out there. A lot of that stuff rolls over to our Facebook page, our Twitter page, our Instagram page. Go check out all that stuff. Like, follow us. Uh, we come at you from a million different ways. And if you want to just support me personally, Nick Hausman, I'm over on Twitter at Wink, W-I-N-C, Rebel, at Wink Rebel. Joe Jan, what's your, what's your handle? Where do you want to send people? Uh, at J Jansen, uh, J-J-A-N-S-E-N-34 uh, is my Twitter account. I actually almost forgot how to spell my last name again. I did that a few days ago and almost forgot again. But, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter there. And, yeah, just check me out on Twitter. Uh, always listen to, to Sirius XM Fantasy Sports. A lot of great stuff there, especially if you like fantasy sports. And, of course, I was watching the uh, the Winkly today or watching the uh, the the YouTube channel at noon. And we just have I, – I, we have a plenty of personalities here that I really like and enjoy. And I'm sure uh, other people share that sentiment. So, yeah, everybody be checking out all the stuff that we have. We have – great news but also now i think we have so many great personalities that uh yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun so far and, and can't wait to do things like this more yeah you're gonna get my monthly schedule email again starting next week <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for that again <laughs> you guys you know you have no idea how much time i spend on my schedules on my, my run sheets I spend yeah a lot of my time. email accounts used to be full of schedules from uh from you well i'm gonna try to make it i'm trying to be clean it up a little bit time this time <laughs> all right uh Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, we got a big week ahead of us next week. And of course, we're going to get the final week going into Evolution. Uh, more Crown Jewel. What's going on there? Uh, you never know. And so much more. So remember, I'll sign off. I'll use my sign off. Remember, guys, if you winked, you didn't miss it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.